0: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Crushcast. Today, we are joined by Armand Oliverdian. Armand joined us less than a year ago, and an interesting background in terms of joining our company. Armand, thanks a lot for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for the invite, Jim. You are basically a category of one, and it's really interesting to have you join us. The intent of these, of course, is to have our people get to know each other and inspire each other. So can you share with everybody what your background was before joining Equitable and then ultimately why you decided Equitable?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So I started in the industry at uh, Payne Weber in 1997 in Century City, California. I got a start with a large producer, uh, learned the business from her as I was uh, graduating from UCLA. I got licensed in 99. Firm was acquired by UBS. So I got trained at UBS. Um... Spent a couple of years understanding the industry, building a, a, a client, building my clients, and uh, got recruited out to AG Edwards uh, as a second or third year advisor, I was, and uh, spent a couple of years there and decided that I wanted to jump into the independent channel. So I was an early starter into independence, late 2002, started my own firm, I got a 24 um did that for like eight or nine years and realized that was a one man shop and needed to do something different. So decided to move on to a firm called Waddell & Reed, where I, you know, what, what they quoted as supported independence. I liked their model. I could continue to do what I was doing and then and build a team of advisors. Um, so started with them. I stayed with them for 10 years, uh, went up the ranks, eventually was a complex manager and a market director for West. And in my last role with them, I ran recruiting for the entire Western region of the firm um, until the LPL acquisition happened. And so I found myself uh, searching a new broker dealer with my skills that I had. Um, I interviewed over 10 firms uh, from the insurance side to the independent BD side to the bank and wire side, and uh, eventually chose equitable as my landing spot.
0: And as you evaluated all of the different options, what was it in the end that made you decide Equitable was the right spot?
1: Well, um, you know, I I did a lot of due diligence. I spoke to many senior leaders and presidents of a lot of firms, uh, you know, everywhere from Raymond James to UBS to Cetera Advisor Group. Uh, I spoke to some of the insurance uh, firms like Mass, Principal, Prudential, and I really wanted to understand you know, the industry and all the things I had issues with at my prior firm when I was in the recruiting world, I wanted to see who had the right fit and model where I could be successful and uh, help build a, uh, what I wanted to do was, you know, recruit top advisors to a firm. So all the important things I had to see, like, I liked independence. I'd been in that channel for uh, quite a while, but I wanted to see a supported independent model, you know, because I felt like the advisor migration out of banks and wires, Especially with what was going on when I made the change, obviously the pandemic had a lot of people thinking about, you know, you you don't need to necessarily show up to an office. So I I did feel like we were, you know, the industry was definitely changing. And so I wanted to find a firm that had support infrastructure, the right platform um, leadership and your firm really was unique in that fact. And, And I found it to be a standout among everybody else in the industry.
0: And what's your experience been like so far? So you, you come on board, looks good, sounds good, but what observations would you make about the organization, the culture, the people that you partnered with? Well, uh, good question. The culture I saw from the
1: beginning. I mean, I, I got to um, speak to a lot of people prior to launching here. I liked what I heard. As I launched, um, you know, I saw a great culture of leadership. Uh, I met with a number of our top advisors in the marketplace. And and liked how what I heard from them and their their sort of view on the firm because I like to see both sides what a field leader thinks, what senior leadership thinks, and what a top advisor thinks, right? Yeah. Um, and and I got to do that due diligence prior to coming on board. What I did understand was, you know, we've got some amazing advisors, and I I feel like there's so many options on the platform for them to grow. That um, it, it was just a, a good. A good place for an advisor to start their career, build their career, and retire. That—that's what I sort of figured out. Um, what I—what was I was pleasantly surprised on is, you know, I, I was familiar with LPL because of the acquisition of my firm by them, but for for our firm to be one of those—the only independent firms having that platform. That platform is just so developed that it was a big big, important thing for me to see that we had that platform and that we were fully integrated with them. So I I really like the LPL aspect of the firm. And then I like the investing in our leadership. You know, that's unique. I don't think many firms today, what I found invests in leadership and saw that as an important piece of the puzzle to support an independent advisor. Um, The only place I really saw that was some of the um, insurance carriers. And most of those insurance carriers I talked to seemed more of you know, insurance products were the most were kind of the most important thing on the platform for them first and then became the BD business where, you know, I feel like where the market and the model was going was we'd have a lot of success if we can build a platform with success with leadership structure and support and infrastructure. And, and you know, all those things I saw at this firm, you know, and, and as I as the months went by, I, I kind of saw a lot of levels of things I didn't know about, you know, sort of mm-hmm. a structure support what what our leaders do you know as we went through um, restructuring at the firm I, I i had a good understanding of what support looks like i brought over a small practice so I, I started to see more of what we can provide to an um an advisor and how we kind of differ from other firms so yeah it, it did allow me to 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 feel what it like it was like to be an advisor and what i had a support because i i know in the independent channel for over you know 15 years and I've been on a couple models in it. So, you know, definitely, I would say out of everything I've seen, this is one of the best places I've
0: seen as far as independence. As you're connecting with candidates that may be considering a move and you engage in discussions and you're helping them understand the opportunities here, what have you found are the things that they're most interested in about Equitable or maybe most surprised about?
1: Yeah, you know, Equitable is not one of the firms they've heard about. You know, they 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 equate the company to a product they might have sold 15 years ago or heard about, right? And yeah. on, on the accumulator side, on the variable annuity. But I would say many of them don't know our, you know, our relationship with Alliance Bernstein. Many of them have no clue. We clear through LPL. Many of them don't know, um, you know, the difference between us today and where we were with AXA. So there is definitely a re-education that happens. Once the re-education is done, I feel like I'm getting a lot of excitement from every channel, whether it's bank, wire, or another independent. And I think the the thing that draws them to us is uh, our our independence with support, with structure, our our deal structure, some of the things we'll provide them, like the benefits and things like that, kind of separate us from a, a
0: lot of the crowd. Well, you're, with your perspective and your background, knowing all of the different players in the industry, I would imagine that you have a vision of what you think is going to happen in the industry going forward. If we go out two, three, four years, what kind of trends do you think will continue to magnify in the industry? Yeah, well, I think I think the pandemic has pushed independence
1: more so than many other things. Um, I feel like a lot of advisors at Morgan's and Merrill's and UBS's see that they don't have to show up to a branch, most of them don't want to show up to a branch. Um, a lot of them have tasted what independence could be like working off site. And so I think it's changed the dynamic and, and the mindset, not only on the advisor side, but what clients feel about the industry. Like clients don't necessarily need to go visit an advisor at an office and, you know, drive two hours and, you know, park and get their valet paid for and all that. I think that those days have sort of uh, gone by the wayside. And I, I think the a client experience and the advisor experience have, have changed. Um, obviously, with, with Zoom, with Teams, you know, we've got a way to talk to clients on demand on a weekend where they don't have to leave their, you know, living room. So I think that's changed. And, and I think the idea of, you know, having independence, owning your business, yet still having support from a firm is going to be critical. So, you know, where I see our firm is a, is a great sweet spot. We give them the product suites. We give them the technology, the platform. We even hand them a laptop day one. I, know, I don't know of any independent firm that actually does that. We, we hold their hand into independence. We give them support. We allow them to brand. We give them the right platform. And I think, I think what I see is people looking for independence, but not necessarily giving up some of that support they were accustomed to. So I think firms have to adapt to that sweet spot of what that looks like in the next three to five years. And I I continue to see people wanting to leave a bank channel, a a wirehouse channel, just because of, you know, the stresses of that environment and the low pay, the no ownership of your practice, and people don't wanna to be told you have to show up to an office anymore. I think I'm, I'm encountering that in our industry where you know people have tasted a little bit of independence and they don't wanna go back the other way.
0: You know that is such a great question. It's raging everywhere. You see certain companies that have gone to extremes and they say, we expect everyone to be back in the office. We have others that have gone to the other extreme and they say, everything's remote. What's your what's your personal opinion on this? What, what do you feel like people are going to end up with? Uh,
1: I, I, you know, I, I personally feel and, and as I speak to advisors all around the country, even to today, what I'm finding is that a lot of people three to four days of the week are working from home. Not a lot of people are going back to offices unless they're forced to do it. So, you know, I think the work from home environment has become more productive for advisors. I think the idea of not having to drive and spend time in traffic and, you know, do all the things you do in an office have changed. So I think people are adapting to that and they want that flexibility now, even if they want to show up to an office, maybe they might do that once or twice a week, but they want to have and say they have the flexibility to work from home and, and continue down that process.
0: Yep. All right. Final question for you. What are the silver linings for you personally? Things that are better for you now than they were pre-COVID things that you'll never get back. Well, um, you know, I think
1: working from home has made me much more productive. You know, I used to travel from my house in uh, Hermosa Beach to Sherman Oaks every day. So I battled the 405 freeway in L.A. for about two hours of traffic. And uh, that took a lot of time. Plus, I had to, you know, get ready to go to work and all that. And so, you know, my day really started at 9 nine a.m. Uh, and, and today, I, I think, you know, I could get started at 6.30 at, on Pacific time. And so I just have more hours where I can get things done and I don't have to leave early from work to avoid traffic. So that's a silver lining. I get more work done with the autonomy. I can plan my day out better. I can plan travel out to meet um, recruits better. So yeah, I think that's a silver lining, and I also think um, just the way the firm has adapted to working from home with our tech and platform uh, is, is is definitely a silver lining. I think you know we we're we're ready for you know doing this for the next five to ten years with the tech we have today, and and I think we've got a great model for that.
0: This has been a great discussion, Armand. Thanks very much for joining us. Appreciate you and all that you do.